gospel comes to us today from the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, <coughs> excuse me, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came, and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are moments in life in which God places different people in our paths for different reasons. And of course, that is no different for God in the flesh himself. And there are different chapters in life where these different moments, these different crossways, so to speak, have different influence in our life. Remember years ago, it would be, well, 12 years ago now, was, uh, was the moment in which Carmen and I became parents for the very first time, and uh, and, and it, for us it was not like uh, not like the Jesus story. We were not in a manger. Uh, Ellie was not placed in a manger. She was not in some stable. No, we were at uh, Rapid City Regional Hospital, and and there was room in the inn. Amen. There was room in the inn, and I remember the joy and the comfort of watching uh, as a father watching my wife bring life into this world. And I also remember the comfort that happened over the next 24 hours, because in this day and age, you've got 24 hours, and then they have the, the, the jaundice. Uh, oh, you guys found the one-week pew. We thought we fixed it. You guys found it. <laughs> you good, Dana? You good, Frank? Good. Uh, we, uh, we, so here we are in the hospital, and for that 24 hours before you, the jaundice test, the hearing test, all these things, there's still comfort that is there because there's still nurses down the wings. 
There is still a doctor around the corner. There is still going to be the lady that comes in and teaches you how to properly change the diaper. And all of that gives you, as a young father, a young mother, an ounce of comfort and peace. And then, of course, there's that moment in which the doctor comes and does the final assessment and says, uh, looks at me, well, uh, Craig, do you have the, the child seat? Do you have the car seat? And I said, well, no, that's out in the car. And she goes, well, you better go get that because you're going home now. And that's when things really, really get exciting. Amen? For us, it was the, the process of bringing life into the world and the process of not only bringing life into the world, but bringing life home. It's our own process. It's our own procedures. It's the, it's the way that we do things in order to be healthy and well, to have guidance and wisdom and, and, and why, why God allowed such a thing to transpire for Carmen and I, only God knows. For Mary and Joseph, they too have their process, they have their procedure, they have the laws that they live within. And, and for them, it was once again a trip on up to the temple. Within that 40-day time span, uh, well, eight days after birth, that is when officially the name is granted to that firstborn son. And if you remember Joseph, Joseph and Mary, two individuals that were brought together, and not only were they brought together, but they functioned completely and utterly under their dependence and trust of what God was up to. Remember how their story began at least the story that we now know. For them, the story began with angel Gabriel coming to Mary and declaring to Mary what was about to happen. What we do know about Mary, because we don't know a lot preceding up to this fateful moment in which she is declared to be the one, the mother of the future Christ child to come, what we know is that she was declared, deemed righteous in God's eyes. Same could be said for Joseph. In fact, after Mary had shared this moment, this annunciation of going to be pregnant, even though she herself was a virgin, even though they were not yet married, she brought this news to Joseph, and Joseph, being responsible, but yet at least also being respectful towards Mary, he was going to uh, bring it up at night to quietly usher her out to send her away because the cultural norm, the law, would have mandated such a thing. Of course, until Joseph, too, received in his sleep that night a message from the angels saying, Joseph, you are to be the father of this child. You are to be the one. You will adopt this child. You will raise him as your own. And not only was he given that message, that command, he was also given the name to be shared. The name Yeshua, or Jesus, which means God saves the world. Again, a man of righteousness. He decides to stick around. He decides to follow through and to cling to God's commands, but furthermore, to cling to God's promises. So Mary and Joseph, eight days after the birth, Jesus is the official name given to their son, and they take him to the temple just as the commands, as the law dictates. 
They go to the temple after the ritual cleansing process for Mary and also the child, and there they are to live within the law just as God brings us to live within the law. And there at the temple they were to purchase two turtle doves as a sacrifice, as an offering to the priest to be raised up to God on behalf of this opportunity of being parents. What Mary and Joseph didn't know at that same time is that years prior, a man named Simeon, a man who we also know very little about, a man who only appears this one time in all of Scripture, he himself, years prior, was given a message that you, Simeon, you are a righteous man, and there will be a day in which the Savior of Israel, and not just the Savior of Israel, but the Savior of all of the world, will be present. He will be shown right in front of your eyes before you pass away. We don't know how that message was given to him. We don't know the depths or the details, but what we know about Simeon, just like Mary and Joseph, he was declared as a righteous man in God's eyes. Simeon was not aligned with the Pharisees. He had no interest in the ruling laws of the court, the ruling laws of the synagogue. He had no interest in defining righteousness by proper adherence to the law. No, what Simeon found, or what we know about Simeon, is he found himself in the temple of Jerusalem on a very regular basis, hoping and praying and waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. Another person, Anna, who again, for just a short couple verses in all of Scripture, was given a similar message. And she too, After only seven years of marriage, when her husband passes away, she will spend the rest of her life, up to 84 years of life, in the temple, fasting and praying and waiting for the provision of Israel and the world. And this moment happens in which they cross paths. They cross paths, and and we have this new moment to this encounter in which God's promise is fulfilled, in which the words are proclaimed, and the characters in their interaction are words that are haunting throughout all of our faithful journey. Again, Simeon, he was not a Pharisee. He also was not a Sadducee. The Sadducees were what we would call the liberals of their time. They, were, they didn't believe in the afterlife at all. They believed that everything in life had to do with the way that they functioned in the world, how they adapted to the world, how they lived within the culture of the world. So we have the Pharisees, we have the Sadducees, we have the Romans, we have King Herod. Those of you who listened to the Christmas Eve sermon, you see where this journey is taking us. And there again we have Simeon uninterested in all of those pieces. He could care less about the interpretation of God Instead, he cared about the promises and faithfulness of God. And there in that moment, mother and father, child in arms, the spirit upon Simeon, he moves up to them. He has a conversation. We don't know the details, but apparently in that conversation, he gives them an opportunity and they hand over their child for him to hold. And there in his own hands, behold, in front of him, is the promise fulfilled. 
It satisfies Simeon. And it doesn't just satisfy him. In all of his inner being, he knows that God has provided an answer. Notice that answer wasn't some military leader marching into Jerusalem on horseback. Notice that leader didn't come out of the Roman culture. That leader didn't come out of the Pharisees and and the, the high priests up in the temple. That moment is an infant child in mom's arms. A child that was brought to live within the law, to live under the law. A child that is there in a human mother's hands and now right there before him, the Spirit has announced to him, this is your Savior that I have proclaimed to you. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him into his hands, and he began to say, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Imagine, as a mother, as a father, as a husband or wife, to have such a proclamation made as this man who you've never met before is holding your child and gently places that child back into your arms. Not only is he declaring that this child is going to change Israel's history, is going to change the history of your country. Imagine someone saying that this child right here is going to change the entire world. That is a gift. But the words that come next, some would view also as a possible curse. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. If that is not prophetic, I do not know what would be. Think of those words. I'll say them again. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. The fall of the oppressor. The fall of the ones who believe that they are righteous. The fall of those who are more interested in interpretation of the law. Those who are more interested in interpretation of the culture and the world around them. They will be the ones that fall, and the ones that will rise are those who absolutely and utterly trust God, trust God's promise, live into their faith, and trust the mercy that is before them. We have the falling of those who believe that they have the righteousness figured out, and the rising of those who cling to the promises and the gift of God's mercy, and that alone. And not only that, this Christ child will be the one that leads this rising and falling. And not only that, in his leadership of it, he will be the one that is absolutely, utterly spoken against. And we will see that all throughout the Gospels, time 
and time again. Every time that Jesus, as he's grown in stature, as he leads off into his journey of public ministry years down the road, as he calls upon his disciples, as the miracles are performed, as the dead are given life, each and every moment they will plot against him. Each and every moment the powers that be will plot to bring him down. And so the thoughts and the, of hearts will be revealed, Simeon says to Mary. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Your personal truth, your faith, your journey, your trust in God will be revealed. And his last words are probably the most haunting. And a sword will pierce your own soul. You see, all God desires, all that God desires that Simeon and Anna provide a model of is pure and utter worship of God and God alone. Everything else is the fancy church word, adiaphora. Everything else is excess. Everything else is extra. Everything else is more for your own personal feelings and less about what God truly desires. But what we also know in Simeon, in Simeon's words, what Simeon is giving Mary and Joseph, as they come into that temple living under the law, he gives them the gospel. He gives them the good news that the Savior is the child that they will raise. He gives them the good news that not only this child is given to you from God, but this child is going to be the one that separates truth from all possibility in this world. This child is going to lift up those who live in trust and praise and mercy and bring down those who live and think for themselves. This child will not only be the Savior of Israel, he will be the light into the darkness for all of the world all nationalities, all boundaries, all across the globe. And Mary will see the ultimate peace of the law inflicted upon her son one day herself as he is on the cross. She will see a sword, a spear, ran through her own son. And that is that haunting words that Simeon gives, that even a sword will pierce your own soul. The Messiah, the Savior, Christ, Christos. He came into this world, and he was brought into that temple. Not so we can just continue the Christmas narrative as we so joyously cling to do. Because trust me, I love to decorate the Christmas trees. I love the presents under the tree. I love when we get to sing the carols. I love lighting up the lights out in the lawn. If you didn't read the newsletter, my haphazard inflatables, they're already put away. I, I, I pulled them out before the storm came, right? But those are all those pieces of us living within the holiday under the law. But the Messiah didn't come for that. The Messiah, the one that is in Mary's arms, the one who himself will be pierced, the Messiah came into this world not for us to receive joyous messages from, ange from angels on high, the Messiah came into the world to end the consequence of sin altogether and to end death altogether as well. Simeon gave that promise. 
He held on to God's promise to the moment he was to proclaim it. And then he finally asked the Lord, dismiss me in peace now. Simeon speaks for all preachers that that stand the ages of time. Let us see that Messiah, let us proclaim that Messiah to you so that we can be dismissed knowing that God, you are working your goodness in all things. That God, you are bringing salvation to all the world. That God, even here, thousands of years later at 320 East Prospect, we hear the proclamation of the good news that this Christ child was born for each and every one of you. Thanks be to God. Merry Christmas. Amen.